ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast, episode number 334. My name is Alfredo Fumaces, with me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira, as always. Cristiano, diz olá aos senhores, olá. diz olá ao Nuno Pereira, senhores, nosso amigo Nuno senhores, Pereira. Nuno Pereira, nosso grande amigo Nuno Pereira, como é que é? Uh, como é que é? Here, once again, uh, <laughs> want to say hello to everyone listening all around the world. It's a pleasure. Uh, unfortunately... Spirits are a little bit low this time, but still a pleasure nonetheless to be here talking to all you guys. So I look forward to tonight with our good friend, uh, Steve. I'm always getting in front of you. Steve is back on with us, so I'm a little giddy. Yep. Uh, so afraid I'm always, you know, I'm always a step ahead of you. Always a, like here now. Oh, it's always a good, um, a good occasion when Steve's here. Steve, how are you? You know, it's still a little, a little bit down after, after that performance on Saturday. It's, was a great day here in, in Toronto rain most of the day it kind of added to the mood so I I'll, I'll, I'll try to not be too pessimistic and, and and solemn I just had a little flashback when he goes hey you know I was expecting another night another podcast <laughs> you know, I had a little flashback it brought me back to I don't know whatever a couple years ago but Steve changed up the disco on me this time yeah Epa. there you go Unfortunately, Dave de Oliveira couldn't be here with us tonight. He had some some personal uh, uh personal He's tending to Seferovic's left foot. <laughs> <laughs> He's working on the Seferovic's aim. aim. Yes, it is. He's working on it. <laughs> but he, you know what? <laughs> this game didn't even have a shot to miss, man. Get a header. Get the header. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. With us in 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 spirit for sure, and he uh, actually sent his usual stats, so we'll we'll be sharing those. But here we are. Uh, post uh, the big classical or the first classical of the year, uh, we'll uh, take a look uh, first at Braga that. of the year, and then uh, we'll, we'll also preview Braga, which is uh, another tough game that comes up uh, this weekend for Benfica before the international break. But um, let's get right into this Porto game. There's lots to talk about. Steve um, made a commitment, so we're we're glad Steve is here and they can break this down. So I'll start by by giving you the the lineup, but because. And I don't even know if I need to give lineups anymore. This, I mean, this lineup, there's a lineup that's been playing since the first game of the season, basically after Gabriel got hurt. No, but you should give it because I got, I got, I got something to say about it. So you should give it. Okay. In, well, ca in case some people who are just tuning in and you know they've been busy working or traveling, like our good friend Steve, and they haven't been able to pay attention to the first couple of games, and they caught this one. So here we go. Vlaco Dimos was in goal. Tavares, Dias, Ferro, and Grimaldo across the back. Samaris and Florentino in the middle. Pizzi on the right. Rafa on the left. Uh, Raul de Tomás and Seferovic up front. So, Cristiano, I'll let you go first since you want to comment on a, on a starting 11. Uh, listen, it's, it's, it's... Bruno Lage tends to play the same 11 when, after a win. You know, it's kind of like that old school saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But we've seen Benfica with this starting 11 have some type of difficulties advancing the ball we've seen Benfica I, I don't think Benfica's played well in any particular game this year I mean I, I know you could look at the you know final scoreline of the sporting game 5-0 look at the final scoreline of uh, Pas Ferreira same thing as well but I don't think Benfica played particularly well and there's been kinks in every single one of these uh, of those games and I sat here for the last three weeks and talked about the lack of offensive players in the middle, offensive uh, 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 options in the middle. Uh, I do not like the, the tandem of Florentino and and, and, and and Samaris together. And this week, man, this week it came to fruition. I mean, it was just, just an absolute, uh, you know, shit show. And we'll get to it. I mean, obviously, we want to talk about the game a little bit more. Um, Nun Tavares, I've displayed to you many times that I wasn't happy with him. And I understand he's a left back and I can't be too critical of him playing on the outside, but It's just I, I thought Bruno Lage would have would have realized these deficiencies earlier and would have adapted and would have changed something going into a game that look man I, I know it's only the third game of the year the season still had Benfica one is still a long way to go but it would have been a six point cushion um, this game could have could have could have you know made a big difference in a way Benfica approaches other games and you know for the rest of the season maybe gives them Benfica a little bit of a breather um, and it just it wasn't to be man I I, I look 
well, let's get into the game. Please, let's get into the game because I'll talk about these coaching decisions, the lineup decisions, as we talk about the game with Steve. I know Steve's got a lot to say. So Benfica didn't really create many opportunities. And again, I don't want to jump ahead. I just I wasn't happy because I haven't been happy about this starting lineup 11 since Sporting. And you know that. And you guys know that. Well, not since Sporting. Gabriel got hurt. And so let's talk about the game and, and I'll and I'll add my comments as we as we talk about different portions of the game all right I'll go to I'll go to Steve because um Steve always has a a different way of looking at things he he has a very analytical and, and tactical way of looking yeah at, Steve at sat the on game. the sidelines while, while I was playing when you're in the game it's a little bit different Steve was on a bench so he's able to he's got a different view of the game go ahead so I'll let, uh, I'll let Steve go and um you could, could tell us what he saw. And I I mean, him and I have had a chance to, to trade a few texts. And I, I agree with everything uh, that that he's seen and that he that, that he observed. Uh, OK, um, best thing or one of the one of the great things of Open Lodge is he tells that like it is in his press conferences. Um, after the match, he basically said everything that I'm going to say because it is what it was. And it, it was clear for everybody to see. Um, Porto came to the Luge in a very aggressive and uh, hungry mood and played the type of football that they like to play. They pressed uh, quite well uh, our first phase of construction with the players that they know are the most limited or most um, or least comfortable on the ball. So Samaris, Florentino, um, and Ruben Diaz all seemed to be targeted at, at any point in time. If, if the ball was played backwards, all of Porto's team came forward. Um, it led to us making a lot of errors when we tried to continue to play, let's say, quote-unquote, properly and, con and, and connect sectors out of the back. And when we went long uh, to the guys up front, we just couldn't win any of the, any of the 50-50 balls uh, at that point, uh, which would just play into Porto's hands because they are a very physical team and, and the 1v1 battles, they continue to win over and over again. Um, even the second balls, because they're bigger, stronger, faster, they get to those better than we do. So we 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 lacked a little bit of, of calmness and patience. And I, I think after the goal was scored for Porto, it made it even worse. Um, the the rare occasions that we did get out of the back and the ball was in half decent conditions in the creative phases of, of the pitch it seemed like we were in a rush to play the ball forward and and, and again cause another 50 50 ball or or a ball where players like pep who are whatever you want to call them in terms of uh, of his attitude and maybe how rough he is, but the the, the guy's a, a fantastic defender. He read every ball that went forward. Uh, we could not get anything out of them. I would like to look at something that is not only tactics. Uh, there is an emotional side of the game that I, I think had a part to play here. Uh, you have Porto, who's out of the Champions League and comes to play against us all the time with the us versus them mentality, north versus south, et cetera, et cetera. But today, or on the weekend, I, I think they used that, oh, Porto's finished in their favor, and, and they had um, an extra spring in their step, a, a little bit more desire than we did. And after the goal, again, on our side, uh, emotionally, I think that we were – Nervous, too eager to try to do something uh, when the ball came to Pizzi, to Grimaldo, to whoever the case may be. There was a lot of like technical errors, bad decision making that I think is okay. We can point a finger to blame at Brunelage, and, and this is not me saying that I dislike him or I think he's a bad coach, but there, there is like I'm sure Chris is going to go with with the the second pivot being another player like Florentino who is not comfortable on the ball. I, I, I could see that, but there is some weight that you have to put on the shoulders of the players who throughout the match were consistently making poor decisions and consistently making technical, like failing technically, whether it's a bad, 
uh, first touch with, I believe it was uh, Nuntavarj that, that uh, sets up a very good chance or bad passes. It was, it, it was not all down to one thing. I mean, a lot of people are, are going out and saying the reason we lost was Bruno Lodge was outcoached. If you're looking for an absolutist way of looking at things and saying that's the reason, if you really need to pinpoint it somewhere, sure, you could try that. But I, th I think there, there is more factors than just that. Look, I love Bruno Lodge. Thank you. Did last year, I love the way Benfica plays. I love the aggressiveness. I love the, the the way we create chances after chance. I love the way he goes forward. I love the way he pressures. I love everything about Brunelaj. You know what I don't love? Oh, I shouldn't say everything. Almost everything. What I don't love about Brunelaj is the way he set this game up on Saturday. This was a perfect example of a game that, again, I love the guy. Okay, not not killing the guy. I'm not saying should fire him. I'm not saying any of that. But for this one game, I thought he was clearly out coached, outmanaged by the opposition. Sergio Conceição did a magnificent job of watching him and his scouts and, 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 his, and his, you know, the people who take care of the advanced scouts that take care of the following games. They did a magnificent side, uh, a job of realizing Benfica's weaknesses, realizing the way Benfica played, and he attacked it. He said, let's forget about our strong suits. Let's attack their weak points, and that's exactly what they did. And I thought that they out class this this one game you want to say the players are at 400 at the end of the day the players have to perform but i think when they're ill prepared to perform to the best of their capabilities like they were this past saturday now uh, that's inexcusable you just said two two minutes ago porto always comes into the luge with you know the us against the world and the north south yada 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 they just got embarrassed in the champions league you knew they were going to come in to style the lose like starved dogs. And I still predicted a 2 nothing win because I thought Benfica was going to keep playing that same style of football we've grown accustomed to seeing on the Brunelage. But in this one game, this one game on Saturday evening at the style of the lose was an absolute embarrassment. If this performance was on the, what's on the Rivitoria or the, 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 you know, to me, my favorite coach of Benfica, but the one that everybody hates, JJ, everybody be, Handkerchiefs, everybody be calling it. That was absolutely unacceptable, okay? Porto comes into the lose every single time with that same – whether they win or lose, they come in with the same mentality, the same aggressive, aggressiveness, the same uh, – that stinking, that disgusting attitude. Now, before I keep going on, because I have plenty more to say, but I'll, I'll, I I want to pass around the mic. I want to play. I want you guys to obviously give it your opinions. I have a question. Do you guys think it was just – a uh, matter of Porto coming into side to lose with that us against the world mentality. We just got embarrassed. Or do you think it's mental on Benfica's part? Because we see Benfica at home against Porto. That inferiority is always there. That complex to me always seems like it's there. Is it me or do you guys see the same thing? No, I, I think that there's there's some of that involved. But I think that since the, the sporting game, which we won convincingly in a and Super Cup. we didn't play a, well that in game. In the Super Cup. But, you know, ever we since them, then, we didn't play. we've kind of, we have won games. I thought the, the game we won against Pasfredo, the result was misleading. I thought we struggled against Bulnitsch. And, and we're seeing these games and we're seeing the deficit that, or the deficits that this team has. Um, whether it's the midfield, uh, the two pivots, they're two positional, none, uh, none of them are really creators, whether it's the chemistry between Raul de Tomas and uh, Seferovic, which is has been delayed in, in coming, if it's ever going to come. And then there's the situation with the Tavares kid who's playing, uh, he's a left back, he's playing in a, in a right back position. And then you have two guys that have been instrumental in these past two games, albeit if you guys not really dominated in these past couple games, but two guys but that, that have come out. They did. Those two so, guys come out and they dominated. They right. Did. But if you're Sergio Conceição, you're saying, all right, well, I'm seeing the deficit up front in the front line. I see the two positional pivots that these guys, if they get the ball, they don't know what to do with it. So we're going to press that middle. And then I'm just going to surround both Rafa and Pizzi by guys so they never have a one-on-one -on -one situation on the flanks. And this is how we're going to shut them out. They basically allowed Benfica to do what the hell they wanted with the ball on their own third until they got to the midfield. Like, there was one example, and I, and I told you about this. I don't know if you caught it, Alfred. And, Steve, I'll mention it to you and the listeners as well. It was in the first half, late first half. Florentino gets the ball by himself in the circle, right in the middle. He has space to go forward. Yeah. 
He takes a step forward, turns around, passes it backwards because he doesn't know what to do with it. And now, now Cedric Conceição realizes that Benfica doesn't have anybody in the middle. Worry about the two weapons on the outside, the only two guys that are going to create some, because in the middle of the park, they're going to do absolutely nothing. Now, what I was going to say to you is you mentioned that, you know, you even questioned, you said you know, the tandem right now of RDT and Sferovic is hasn't given you much, and you don't know if it's ever going to give. I'll guarantee you this. It's not going to give you shit without Gabriel in the middle. Gabriel is crucial. People don't realize how crucial Gabriel is to this midfield. But when Gabriel being injured, if you don't have a Tarapto or something, people want to bash Tarapto all you want. The only spell of the game that Benfica actually looked good with the exception of the first five minutes was when Tarapto came into the game. You need someone to get the ball to the next sector, to distribute the field, to open up lines, and Tarapto does that. And the only way Raul de Tomas and Sferovic are going to be uh, fantastic or are going to come, you know, are going to be successful and productive is with someone else giving them the ball. You can't expect Sferovic up by the guy. He's a guy that one touch wants to, he's not going to play one twos, giving goals. He's not going to fake anybody else. He needs the ball and he's going to finish. And so far this season, he hasn't even done that. He hasn't finished. But you need somebody in the midfield that's going to be able to distribute the ball. In Porto Nube and Fico, with those two guys in the middle, they didn't have anybody. They were playing at the beach this past Saturday. This is one of the most dominating Porto performances at the lose that I've watched in a long time. Yeah, for a while. And then as Steve mentioned, uh, those two guys in the midfield, they're not comfortable on the ball going forward. Yeah. And I think that when you're able to look at that and you're able to and go, and go back and watch the game as painful as it might be, anytime that Pizzi got the ball or Pizzi was close to get the ball, there was a triangle of Porto players around Pizzi. That as soon as he got the ball, they were on top of him, didn't, didn't give him enough time. Rafa, the same thing. Uh, and Rafa was able to do a few things, but not as much as he usually. But Benfica didn't even do. press like we're accustomed to seeing him. Well, is it me or did you guys see the same thing? I mean, you had a kid, Romario, what is he, 18, 17, 18? Oh, good. The kid, he, he was chilling. Like, yeah. Benfica wasn't even like that. This is a huge matchup in Portuguese football, the biggest matchup in Portuguese. And Romario, that kid's chilling. Benfica, what, what happened to that all out press? Whatever happened, that's why I mentioned, is it mental? Because all of a sudden, Bifika's not playing the same way we've yeah. seen him play. Now, Steve, when was the last time, what, what podcast were you? Was it after the Sporting victory? Yeah. Okay. Ever since then, and this is, the type, like, I'm the type of person, if I tell you, look, you get to the end of my block, don't make a left. There's a 200-foot a, a, a hole, right, in the middle of the street. You're going to go make a left. You're going to fall. You're going to, you know, you're going to sink. You're going to go in that hole. That's it. You're done. So make a right. And then you go and your stupid ass goes left and you fall out. Then you call me like, yo, bro, I told you about it. And it's the same. I've been bitching and complaining about the tandem in the middle for Benfica for three weeks now. So if I can see that from my couch and I'm not, I, look, I'm no scout. Okay. I ain't no Look, I play the game. I know the game, but I ain't no scout. And if I can see that, how the hell does Bruno Lodge and his technical staff not see that? Well, it, I think it's, and this was something that we're talking about. We were off. Um, is is what what's the the lesser of the two evils, right? And Steve was mentioning something when when Brunelage has set in his idea of what his game model and his game idea is. The two guys in the in the middle, how many boxes do they tick um, to be as close as possible as the ideal player in the middle? That's what Steve was mentioning that, and and perhaps. Somebody sticks more boxes than than Tarap does, and I agree with you guys against Pas Ferreira. He takes those boxes against against Football Club Porto. You can't just sit back and defend. You need someone to construct the game. Look, if you're gonna put somebody because he ticks all these boxes, then he's gotta do what we expect him to do, and it's not you know, errant pass after errant pass. I haven't seen Benfica make as many errant passes as we see. And I'll tell you, Steve, because I want you to jump in here, Steve. The first five minutes. Of the game, I'm being serious. I'm, I'm not no no Nostradamus, but the five first five minutes, I said we're in trouble, and I'll tell you why I said we're in trouble because it seemed like you know you guys you guys saw the same game I did. I'm pretty sure you guys caught it too. Maybe you didn't think it was over like I did, but you you caught it too. I'm pretty sure. Every touch by Rafa, Grimaldo, Florentino, everybody was a long ass touch. It was as if they were nervous. Did you guys catch or was that just me? Yeah, like I like I said previously, there there was tactics involved, but there was definitely an emotional or mental part of the game that we were not prepared or or right for. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if I just want to chime in quickly about the whole central midfield pairing, if you're Bruno Lage, you have an an idea 
uh, of how you want to play the game, like like Alfredo said, and, and what's important to you for each position and, and what they, um, what attributes each player has, and and, and like like you may say, how many boxes they tick. Um, for Bruno Lodge, it seems very important because of the way we play, and he, he mentioned this also in the press mat, the post match press ah, post match match press conference how we really attack with six in front of the ball and defend with four. Um, you have your fullbacks high and wide, and you have the other three guys. So what he's what he wants from those two pivots, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, Chris, and this is where, this is where Gabriel is so important because he has both sides of the coin, is that he also mentions this. Gabriel has the, the mind to know when, to go in and pinch he has the um physical attributes to get there quickly when a few uh, just a few long strides and condition the opponent with whatever they're trying to do when they return the ball does tarapt have that no does even samaris have that probably not as good but a little bit more than tarapt in in bruno Lage's model the way he wants to play the team basically four and six in organized attack. That that recuperation after you lose the ball is extremely important. We've got found wanting. We we got caught out on that side and the side where Tarap gives you the other thing that Gabriel does. Gabriel has touch. He has a vision. If he has the ball in tight, play, tight uh, corners, Usually he doesn't give it up. Usually he chooses the right pass. Samaris, on the other hand, especially in these types of games, because he is the guy who he is, for the same reasons that we love him, he will struggle in these types of games because he has that emotional factor where he's going to get riled up. He's going to be intense. It's also going to make him make all of his weaknesses that much more profound. I mean, you, you are a, a player with with limited technical ability, a limited, I don't want to, I don't know if the right word is, but calm and pause, and you ramp yourself up for this type of game, plus the added pressure of Porto always in your face, it's going to make it worse. It, it's, I, I know where you're going, Chris, and I too would have preferred to see somebody a little bit more. Steve. A little more technical, a little less scared when the ball was at their feet, like Tarap did in the second half. But I also can can see why Bruno Lage plays it the way he does. Steve, I I I I'm with you 100 on Gabriel. We know what Gabriel brings brings to the team. We see what he adds. We see what he does. The guy's a phenomenal player. Fact of the matter is, Gabriel is not in the game. So. The minute he's injured, that's it. I don't give a crap what he does. He's not in the game. You need to come up with a better solution. You mentioned he likes to attack with six, defend with four. Bada, 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 bada. Bro, did you not see st still shots of the game? Benfica had two guys in the middle between seven Porto defenders, the one guy crossing, and a big gap yeah. between the. So if you're you're not attacking with six there, you're attacking with three. The point is, bro, they, he, he dropped the ball. He got out, coach. Sergio Conceição saw all that in the video, and he said, Word, we're coming in. We just got embarrassed. We need to perform for our reputation and our pride. And it's a big game. It's a big rivalry game. We're going to annihilate everything that you could do successfully. We're going to do the best we can to, to, to limit you guys, limit you guys and get that, get, get, get you off your game. And Brun Lage, to me, to me, on the other hand, sat back and say, it's been working. Chris, but here's your thing. Do any scouting? Did, did, did he do any preparation? I'm Chris, pretty sure he did, but Chris, it didn't look like this it. is one loss in twenty. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. This is one loss in twenty. The guy has got. He, he's, well, why not be? How am I being ridiculous? So it's the one good. So he didn't. He didn't scout his opposition today. Did, Come did, on. Steve, based on that game, did it look like it to you? Be honest. No. I'm talking about Steve, Steve, of I'm course, talking. it looked like it. It did. He about. has his model and his thought process of how he wants to make it work. It didn't go the way he wanted, so he made changes at halftime. Right. The thing is, I didn't even like his subs. To be brutally honest with you, if you want to well, get there, that, 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 that was the only <laughs> smart sub he made. He took yo as bad 
as bad as Raul de Tomas played this game, he still wasn't worse than Sferovic, and somehow Sferovic stayed in the game. But then it, but Chris, then it goes. Uh, I, I'm not gonna fall down. <laughs> but look, look. But then it goes back to how Brun Lage sees what each player brings to the team, what each player's attributes. Maybe he thought that Seferovic would be a better box presence than Raul Tomas is. We don't know if that's what he I get that. We know that. I don't know enough about Raul Tomas. I don't think any of us here, or if you do, I apologize. Some people say that he's best playing. Exactly. uh, I don't don't know him that well, right? But based on – I don't care what you're a better option or not. Based on this game solely – he, the other guy was non-existent. I take him out. The guy wasn't productive at all. He wasn't, bro. If you noticed the few times that 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 Rafa and Pizzi did break those lines, there was no movement off of either strike. We're both stationary. There was very poor movement in this match exactly. from Pizzi, yeah. from Rafa, from everybody. Nobody was ever. Michael Jordan's been subbed out of games. Maradona's been sub. Messi's been. And again, whether they played well or not, but sometimes there's there's different games. You're just not having it, bro. You need to give room, make way for somebody else. No, look, I, I don't think anybody disagrees with uh, with the fact that we we all feel that Brunelage got outcoached. Steve, I love Brunelage, but this game he got outcoached. Steve obviously thinks that you know if you want to throw it all in a ball, that's what it is. But there was a lot of factors, as you heard Steve explain. But uh, but yes, plain and simple, he was he was outcoached. He was outcoached. But and, and look, in this in his very young career as a senior uh, team head coach. Which yeah. is first first year as a senior team head uh, senior well uh, a main team head coach, all right because he was a good head coach of the B team. This is a valuable lesson that I hope that Bruno Lage takes away we from hope. this. Yeah, I hope as well. I hope he does. And look, I'm not bashing the guy. I'm not saying to fire him, but to me, it's it's worrisome because again, the only difference from this game and in, in, in the earlier three games, Sporting pass Ferreirabulness. Is that we won those games? The quality of the opposition. Also. Quality. That's the biggest that's difference. Just the quality of we won those games. Even like there were spurts in each one of those games where you're like, "What the hell?" But we sat back and lodged we trust, and we were able to capitalize on our few opportunities. This time, Porto absolutely shut us out. We we barely we created one chance. The header by Sferovic in the seventy something minute was that it? Off balance header. Something. We like didn't that. create nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't think I saw Marquezine make a save. Who actually looks a decent keeper? Well, at least with his feet, I was, nice I was not expecting that. Ain't yeah. talking about keepers. I'm talking about keepers. He made, ours made a nice save, man. At least one. Yeah, he's he made tr- a couple of good saves. I, I, I said it all last year, and I feel bad because I know the guy. He's been very kind to me. Uh, he speaks to me honestly. Very nice guy, and I feel bad. I hope he's not listening to this. I hope none of you guys send it to him. But the guy's just not good. You need somebody to compete. Why, why can't you just say you need somebody to compete with? Because he's tremendous. His reflexes are tremendous. He's, yeah. he's He's got cat-like reflexes. He's great at getting to the ball. His feet are average. He doesn't play out the back the way right. Benfica wants him to play. That's why they're still searching for a goal. Exactly. That's where and, I was going to go. Yeah. And then and then the goal. But I'm sorry, guys. That that I'm uh, Listen. Call me a hater. Call me, if that was my goalkeeper. Yeah, that, that I, ball's in I, the I, six, man. That ball is in that. the six. He has to come out. I played amateur ball, semi-pro, you name it. The six, nobody My goalkeepers would have got murdered. He needs to. It's in the six. Nobody could That's touch the goalie in the ball. six. He needs to come out. Yeah, Zé Luis got, got luck, whatever. Zé Roberto yeah. got lucky, you know, to get the ball. Into, he, had every, he, got, he had the whole goal covered, right? And he had the, the little, little six-inch gap in between his legs. And Zé Luis got lucky. He was very fortuitous for him. He needs to come out for that ball, guys. I'm sorry. And then before you, before Ferro touches it, right? The, yeah, you know, exactly. Before yeah, Ferro, yeah, on the cross. Yeah. On the cross. And Ferro has to header it, did the flex off somebody. Should never got the Ferro. That's the goalkeeper's ball. And then the other one, you saw late in the second half when Mifika's Coming pressuring. Coming out with the header. No, no, no. That one, look. That to, was actually good, man. That's that something that doesn't do enough. He had it. He could have. He gave up the ball one, to the It middle. is what it is. Yeah. Now, look, we would have killed him if he didn't come out for it. And late in the second half, a couple minutes after that, where Benfica's kind of like now they got a little bit of possession once Strap comes in, they're moving the ball around a little bit, and, and they're going through their good spell. They put a deep ball into into the Benfica uh, uh, third, and you see Ruben is coming out, and he's kind of protecting it, and he's getting pressured by Zé Luis or whatever, <laughs> and, and, and Blanco doesn't come out, and he gets one, he kicks it out of bounds, and he starts bitching and yelling at him. You see, that's affecting the team because Benfica, over the last, with the goalkeepers we've had, with with, with Julius Cesar and, Sve, and, um, and Ederson, 
they play with a very they play on top of their box. They're, you know, they're kind of like that roaming sweeper back there. They play very high. Benfica is able to push the center backs back and kind of try to contain, you know, the opposition and in, in, in their own side of the on their own side of the pitch, Steve. And yeah. now they gotta drop their lines back, gives the opposite, makes the field longer, makes it makes you know, gives them more space, which therefore gives them more passing lanes. You notice so Benfica likes to push up, tighten them up. Keep them in their own area as much as possible. It, and then it comes a point where, like, boom, put the pepa for it. And they're able to do that against the Pas Freiters, but against Porto and the quality oppositions. And Porto's not even great, but this for this game, they were fantastic. They just, they just look, it, it just it wasn't it wasn't good from start to finish. Not yeah. whatsoever. Let me um let, let's start wrapping up this uh this topic. Uh let me ask you this, Chris, or what what kind of tone does this set for the rest of the season? Because now um, you know, we have to go to to, to Dragon to play. Porto, and we're down 2-0. Porto, so things come tied. They got it to even if we win one yeah. nothing, we're still down on our goals deficit. Yeah. So we lose the tiebreaker. Yeah, for sure. Um but when we were talking about well, we could be six points uh, six points ahead, but now we're even and and I, I know that it's a very uh long season and, and teams regardless we are going to lose points uh regardless who they are but now it becomes more difficult from the standpoint that if both teams win their games or drop some points here and there and it comes down to that game and albeit early in the second volta in the second volta in the segunda volta going to the dragão is never easy i know that brunelage has beaten them but uh it's going to be a difficult task but what kind of tone does this set because Porto was was done and buried, and we're going to put them six six, six uh, points away. They didn't make the the Champions League. They don't have money to go get players. The only tone it sets is this, man. Look, Porto is going to be a thorn on Benfica's side no matter what. That's number one. Uh, even though I predict that Benfica be champions by by Christmas, and I still think Benfica will most likely by the end of the year hopefully be a ten point ten point lead. Mas and o campeão do inverno costuma ser o Sporting. Tá bem, mas é pá, mas the Sporting usually gives those up in Porto. Did as so did as well last year. Benfica doesn't normally give up uh, such a huge lead. The only tone it sets for me is this: as I mentioned before, maybe it was good from the standpoint of they started to read their own press clippings. This is the most dominating Benfica since the start of the season, since yada, 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 yada. And this guy and that guy, and maybe Lodge thought, you know what? I'm not going to change anything. Everything has been working. I'm going to stick to status quo because it's been working. And maybe now it, it makes them look in the mirror and say, look, we, we got a little bit more work to do here. It's guys. a humbling experience. It is. And so that's the only positive thing for me about this game is that because I, I don't think I take anything else. Honestly, I don't take any other positives away from this game. It was one of those games you want to forget. Uh, I, I remember bad Benfica teams not getting this outplayed at the start of the loose. It was just everything all about this game was bad. Uh, and, and I hope that we put it behind us very quickly. We have a very tough game coming up against Sporting Braga in Braga. Uh, and I hope Benfica learns from this experience. I know we'll get into that game, but I do have a feeling that there will be some changes into the lineup because I, I think Lodge is, is going to be forced uh, based on what he's seen on video. Uh, if he's watching the same video I have, at least, that he's going to have to to make some changes going into this next game. Steve, what's the, what are some of the things they could take away from this game? Are there any positives that we could take, silver linings? Positives that I could take from the game, there are not many. Uh, one thing that I could say that most coaches – uh, come across saying at least once you learn a lot more from losses than you do from wins. Um, I'm thinking that Moulage is going to have to have a rethink on the certain areas of the pitch where we struggled. Um, part of here's a, the, the different ones that I'll give you. Um, center back pairing is fantastic as we know, but neither uh, Ruben Diaz is quite quick. Feru is not. 1v1, if, we, if we're caught in 1v1 situations like we were uh, on the weekend with stronger, faster players, we were in trouble uh, with the keeper that we have and not being able to, to control the length of the pitch. Like Chris said earlier, it's going to be difficult to make anything better out of those two guys. So you're, you're kind of stuck with that and you got to work with what's there. Um, the left-footed right back, I think, is an issue that we have to address uh, sooner than later. More because it seems like he is not learning from 
his first touch, his body's almost all, his body position seems always all wrong. Uh, his body's way too open and bringing the ball inwards. I, I think I have the feeling that I'm not the first person to notice that, and he's going to be pressed accordingly. Um, I, but this one, I do see a fix. I, I think Andre Almeida within a couple of weeks will be fit and will take his spot back. The one with the, the biggest question mark for me is that central midfield pairing. And to be absolutely honest, I, I think he's going to have a lot of work to figure out how to make Florentino and Terapt work. Or Because I was, I was of the opinion that I thought it might end up being Florentino and... and um, Shikingu sooner than it would be Florentino and Tarapt in the long term, but with Shikingu down in it for injury, I don't see that happening. Uh, especially against the smaller teams, the whole the problem is our next game is against Braga, and he, he might revert to what worked. But against smaller teams, we have to try to, to see the the uh, Florentino Tarapt or Florent like I. Aside from Tarapt, I wouldn't know who else to put there. It's I mean, easy, Steve. It's easy for this next game coming up. It's easy. You got look. You got to go out on a limb and you got to make the changes that 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 are going to give Benfica an offensive chance. And that is that Optin Samadis is place. Uh, Raul Tomas as a striker. Bench Fedovic for a game. No. I'd be good. Hold on, hold on. Bench Fedovic for a game and put Jota in and let's see what happens. Next game after the international break, Gabriel will be back and then I'll play Tarapt as that second as that second striker. I think that's his best position anyway. Uh, Gabriel Gabriel's supposed to be back that soon. Yeah. He'll be back by then. He'll be back by then. But as I was telling uh, Alfredo off mic here, as you were talking, I was going to make the point that as bad as this weekend was, right, terrible performance, then to top it off, you lose Chiquinho for four to six months. It was kind of like the, the cherry on top. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, it, it went from bad to worse because that's that's another option that you lose now. So for me, Tarapten places Ferrovi in place of uh, Samaris. Move Raul de Tomas to the striker role. You did pay $20 million for him. So, you, I mean, look. You're stuck. You have to play him. Um, and let's see what you get from uh, Jota. Uh, last year, we threw Juan Felix into, into the fire, and then he came out blazing. The guy was tremendous. Uh, maybe we you know, we strike once again uh, with Jota. Uh, so I, that, that's what I would do. But as, I, as I'm talking, that's why I'm like, oh, uh, because I was thinking, maybe maybe you see Vinicius in places Ferrovic with Raul de Tomas. Maybe. You'll see. That's another guy that they paid high money for. So those are the other options, but uh, I, I do think that the most crucial move that he has to make is I think somebody's out that opt-in. I think that is the first move he needs to make because he needs someone with the little with, with, with ball movement skills in the middle of the park to alleviate some of that pressure and, uh, and organize the rest of the play. And the other one is I, I do think Andre Almeida will be back in his right-back spot this weekend against uh uh, not to uh, dis or to disagree with you, but Brulage has a, a he has a, a big spot for for Seferovic or a big whatever you want to say um, because of what he does off the ball. Whether it's and he's made uh, whether and he's made reference to it many times. Um, whether it's pressing, whether it's Stretching the opposition out in either direction, both wide, behind fullbacks, uh, behind the, the center backs, everything that all that that Seferovic does without the ball is actually quite good. The problem is every time that he gets the ball, it's quite bad. Steve, that's fine. But, 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 it doesn't mean that you bench him for the rest of the season, but he can still appreciate that and not start him one game. That's all I'm saying. I don't, th I don't think I. It's not, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, and I could see him having that thought process. I just don't think against one of the bigger clubs in Portugal away, he's going to fiddle so much. Yeah. I, I, I'm very, I, you, everyone's not going to like it, but I'm probably it right now. I'm expecting the exact same line of the server versus Porto. Yeah, here's a uh, here's a stat by Goal Point that Dave sent me. Uh, be, in be, between the 167 players with at least 135 minutes played in the Liga Nosh. Seferovic is the one that has touched the ball the least times per 90 minutes. 20.8. How many times did he lose it? Uh, it's at least 38% of the actions with ball uh, in relation to what he used to do last season, which was 33.3 uh, touches uh, per 90 minutes. So he's, he's, he's touching less of the ball. 
Yeah, because um, he doesn't have Jean Felix right next to his side. But uh, Jonas, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. that that tandem that tandem isn't really clicking just yet. Yeah, but, it's concerning. It's concerning. But the, you know, to to put in, if you guys will allow me to uh, put a, a stone on top of this topic and and move on to the next before one. Before you do, Pep is a pig. Just want to let everybody know. All right. Before we put a wrap on that game. Um. It was it was Bruno Lage's first defeat in league competition. Also, first game that they haven't scored under Lage that Benfica hasn't scored under Lage in league competition. Bruno Lage's first defeat at Stade Luge in all competitions. Benfica's first home loss since November 2018, 3-1 to Moreirense. Uh, uh, football Porto's uh, record in the new Stadio Luz since 2003. Seven wins, six draws, and four losses. Benfica had six shots, only one on target, compared to Porto's 11 shots, five of which were on target. And that's from uh, from Dave. So, look, it's a, it's definitely a humbling experience, hopefully a learning experience, and, uh, you know, uh, let's see what happens. But um, you guys both mentioned Chiquinho going, going down Transfer window closes uh, on the second, which is Monday, as we recall. So six days from today, does Mefica go to the market? I wish, but they're not. We think, yeah. I, I honestly, I'd like to. I don't. I can't think of anybody that would fit the bill right now. But a, a player that can that could play next to Florentino would be high on my priority and high on my watch list. Well, someone uh, can back up Gabriel at least. Yeah, option. because yeah, I, I said I said it on my last appearance on the podcast. Gabriel's body shape and his knees—they worry me. And he's had a few weird injuries already since, or not weird, but he's had a couple of knee injuries since we've been. He's been with us. I, I, maybe it, it's superstition, but I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced that he's going to be healthy very often. Uh, I would have liked it. It's not like he's jogging and getting knee injured. They're coming in hard. They're hitting him. So, I mean, I understand if a guy is just jogging and he breaks down and there's guys that are coming in hard on him because they know how valuable the PC is to Benfica. To me, look, it, it's a little bit different. Check not if, a guy just breaking down on his own. Check like, if, like, like, remember, Fesha, he'd make a sprint to Ape two months out. on. You know what I mean? It's not that. That's worrisome. This is a little bit – but. If he keeps on, then, then I'll say, Steve, you're 100% correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's just a hunch right yeah. now. Okay. Well, I hope your hunch is wrong. Forget everything else you said. Oh, whatever. This one, I really hope you're wrong. Yeah. Check if Felipe Augusto is available. Hey, aye, he, aye. Might, he might be good on the lodge. That, that's that's another thing. He might be good. You never yeah. know. Danilo, remember, another one. Dude, these guys, both of these guys, prior to arriving at Benfica, they were, they were excellent players. Good good players, yeah. Then they get to Benfica, it's like they forgot how to play soccer. Samadis forgot how to play soccer. All of a I sudden, don't think Samadis ever really knew. <laughs> no, but at least he performed and did his yeah. duty and did his job, you know, and once the, 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 the change of coaches, Samadis became a whole new player. It was, like, it was like we went out on the transfer market, added a new player. So maybe Filipe Augusto, because he's got a nice left foot. The guy, <laughs> maybe he'd be good under this guy. We don't know. Hey, you never know. You never, never know. Um, anyway, so uh, next uh, game from Benfica is this Sunday. Chris, 9 p.m. local on Sunday. Beautiful. At, uh, at the Pedreira. Beautiful. And super expensive tickets, supposedly, too. Yeah, because the, the 31 euro tickets that were available for Benfica supporters are now gone. And now the next tier is 93 uh, euros. Beautiful thing. For me, I don't mind. I'm watching it from my TV on my couch, uh, 4 p.m. local time. It's beautiful time for me on a Sunday afternoon. Labor Day week, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Labor, Labor, Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, a holiday weekend here in the United States. So for me, it's fantastic. Now for the people that are in Portugal making the the, the, the trip from Lisbon and, and even more south of Lisbon, yeah, it's gonna suck for them uh, getting home at three, four, five o'clock in the morning. But look, this is what we do for our great club, uh, uh, Benfica. Whoa! I was gonna Whoa. Football. I know uh, what you were almost saying. <laughs> I wasn't going there, but the I was trying to say yeah. blue football, whatever. Uh, it's what we do for this team, man. We go out of our way. As Benficistas are crazy, so I, I know people aren't too happy about it, but I still have a feeling they'll all be there. They'll be making the trek down. I think that those okay. Benficistas who get uh, seats by uh, by Sapinto's uh, bench should be dressed as uh, flight attendants <laughs> <laughs> or to George. <laughs> Big so, uh, yeah, so uh, Sunday, as mentioned, at 9 p.m. local, 
Uh, Braga so far for 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 the season in official games four wins one draw one loss in that loss game at the hands of Sporting Sapping to the coach and uh, 144 games that the two teams have played against each other 95 wins for Rafiga 30 draws 18 losses last 10 nine wins for Rafiga one draw last loss at the at the Pedreira came in October of 2014 so it's been uh, it's been quite a quite a bit uh, since we lost at the Pedreira. I, I remember during uh, the JJ years; those were always super tough games. I don't know if you remember kind of those who getting hit with the with the lighter. Yeah, yeah. Just of the, the lights top. going out too, a couple lights, of times. The lights going out. Yeah. yeah. So um, a very tough game, and I think that this is the game where you need to to answer your whatever criticism has been laid upon this team, uh, and thankfully. I'm glad that this is not a, a Gil Vicente or a Famalicão or whoever it is. Hey, Famalicão's ahead of us in the standings, so you better be careful. <laughs> whoever it is, I mean, this is this is already a very demanding uh, game that requires an answer by Benfica. It made tougher by the fact that their new head coach is anti-Benficista, so you know they're going to come out. Who's not anti-Benficista? How many head coaches are there? Benficistas aren't into Benficistas. The rest are. <laughs> and you know, you know, they're going to come out to play. They're going to come out to play with Garra. They got a, they got a point to prove as well. Benfica's been dominant uh, over the, the, this series for a very long stretch now. Uh, and they do have some quality players. Andrea Horta's back. At, at, the Horta's. Well, but one at least played at Benfica. And he's got a point to prove. You know, he's Both going played to. played at Benfica. The other one played at Benfica too? Yeah, but not, not for the senior team. Senior Came up through yeah, the youth ranks. Through the youth ranks, yeah. So, uh, you know, everybody in Portugal will be watching and their quality side and they want to let everybody know that they're a quality side and that they're uh, going to be there to challenge to the end and, uh, despite the change in coaching. They also have a son who was, uh, who was on the verge of signing for Benfica. He went through the medical and what then mean, he fit. They, they have, both of them have a son? Uh, Braga. Hassan. 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 <laughs> Braga has a son. Uh, he was on the verge of signing for Benfica when they found that uh, heart that problem. issue heart murmur heart and uh, ended up uh, the deal falling down. Uh, so they, those guys are always guys that come out and and have something to, to prove. Wilson Eduardo being a Sportingista also it, it's it's going to be a tough game for Benfica, especially uh, knowing the style that Sapinto likes to play, which is very physical, and uh, also expect the red card. Any team, One or two. any team is now going to try to emulate what Porto did to Benfica. So it's up to Lodge to come up with solutions and to tweak the team to be able to get, to combat these situations that he's going to be put in. Steve, what do you think? Man, I, I wish I could give you some good knowledge on Braga, but I, I, I no longer get to watch as many football matches as I used to. So I, I don't know what Braga will bring. I know Andre Orta is a, a key part of the team from what I read because everyone says it's like he never left. Um, first phase of construction from us has got to improve. Whether I, I'm not really, it depends how he sets up. I, I think Feru could do more of it uh, in absence of of what the two set, central midfielders lack. I, I think he's got to step up a little bit. Um, depending on whether it's Tarapt or, or Samaris will have a huge influence. I still think that there's there's got to be pockets where Pizzi needs to show up to make himself a very easy option for the two guys in the middle that are not supremely technically gifted or, or, or have that vision that you would like them to have. Um, those are Those are some spots where I could see us improving. Um, you you gotta just put a rock on the the performance that that was there before because there was a lot of abnormalities amongst getting out coached. I mean, Grimaldo doesn't miss as many passes or have as many bad touches as he, as he did in that match. Uh, Pizzi, you guys will always say that he never plays well in in the good matches, but he he was really bad versus Porto. I, I think given. If we go back to a, a, a form more similar to what we've been accustomed to, more similar to what they normally are like, I, I, we should be able to get the result and it should be an improvement over Porto and it's just like natural state without having to do too, too much. That's why I'm 
I'm hesitant to think that, that Bruno Lodge is going to change at 11. I'm thinking he looked at that game and was like, yeah, we were really bad, but we were really away from what our normal self is. So yeah. let's see. Could be. Could be. So we shall see. Uh, as mentioned, the game happens this uh, Sunday. Uh, don't forget to uh, tune in. That's all we got for this week. Uh, don't forget to check out uh, BenficaIndependent.com. Uh, plenty of good stuff. Our own podcast is included in that, Benfica FM. Storia Gloriosa, which is a, a great series, great podcast series that you should be listening to about the Benfica history one decade at a time. Among other things that are there, you got Brinco also. You got a lot of articles. You got... Uh, time added on, which will be making a comeback very soon. I was going to say, I don't remember seeing that pop up on my YouTube feed for a while. It's coming back very soon. Uh, the studio is under construction. Uh, so uh, <laughs> once we rearrange all that, it, uh, it, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll be out soon. You yeah. guys should just go film down in, in Newark, Ironbound. Outside of that right now, restaurant we went to, they don't have you know. This, right now, it's a little crowded with the VMAs and everything. Now, Newark is, is the <laughs> hip thing, is the hip place to go to. So, uh, you know, can't do that. We'll, but the studio will be up and running very shortly, yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll get those. We're getting things to together, man, yep. and it'll be more frequent. Anyway, my name is Alfredo. I've been here with Cristiano and, and Steve Santos at Befica Podcast at 10 co 10 at Steve Santos Six is where you can follow us on Twitter, BefikaPodcast.com and uh and uh, all the pod aggregators that you could check us out thank you very much we'll see you again next week we got international break following this uh this um game against braga and then we'll we'll see what we do later everyone peace steve always a pleasure my brother yeah, Stevie. thanks man thanks for having me aye 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 <laughs>